here so we don't get fined. My name is David. My name is Thomas. And we are back with another episode today. Today. Is our headline episode. Today is our headline episode. And now we've been, all all season we've been calling this our, our headline episode, right? We're going over the headlines of the week. Yeah. But really, it's just the storylines of the week. Well, yeah. today... We wrote actual headlines. Yes, we did. We So we're, we're going to introduce each one of these, which will lead into other conversations and blah, blah, blah. But each headline, we have a headline and then like a sub subline, like a summary line, if you will. This is we're, this is real stuff here. It's real, real. This is not just... We, we took time. We came up with good titles, good little subtexts. So this is... I mean, there's good subtext on like one... I mean, no, there's more than that. Okay, okay. The rest of them were more informative as opposed to... Wow, couldn't have opened that before we started I recording, didn't think David. I did man. They Could... probably didn't even hear it on How many that. times have you opened a bottle of soda in your life? In my life? In your life. That's... Only God knows that number. Yeah, so the point is, is you should have known that it would be loud. Because nine times out of ten, it is loud. Why don't you care about this podcast? That's rich. What do you mean that's rich? You're the one who's making a mockery of this audio medium by opening your soda pop. Thomas, I famously am the one who cares more about this podcast. I famously also am not the one who opens his drinks in the middle of a recording. Say pop in my presence when referring to soda. Soda pop. I will hurt you. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Freaking Yankee trash. Are you going to hurt me like you hurt this podcast? I don't hurt this podcast. You just did? You hurt this podcast. I don't do anything of the sort. By the way, have received great... Wow, one person. uh, Great review on the end of the pod last time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) That was funny. Um, But anyway, yeah. We got headlines. We do got headlines. We got them titled... We do got them. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So. I hope. Any other distractions you need to get out of the way before we get into it? I'm not the one who's opening bottles of pop on the air. I didn't open a bottle of pop. I've never in my life opened a bottle of pop. You just did. It is audioly recorded. No. Never opened a bottle of pop. Pop is a sound. It's not a monopoeia. It's not something you can open. So. Don't, don't Don't be a semantic I'm just saying I've never Canoe. opened pop. You just I've did. opened soda. Soda pop. Not pop, a thing. Soda. Soda. Coke. Coke. Dr. Pepper. Whatever you want to call synonyms. it. All synonyms. But it's not a pop. That's a sound. Uh, does not it, a thing. Does it not make a pop when you crack it open? Mm-hmm. It's a bottle of pop. No, it's not. Yes, sir. The bottle pops. That does not make it a bottle of pop. It a is. door opens, but you don't call it an open. No. Hey, man, you want to close that open for me? You could, I th- theoretically. No. It doesn't make sense. Y- your face doesn't make sense, okay? Oh, uh, well, you know, I mean, we, st- we talked about it. Hey, man, what's up? You're live. I don't even know if it's going to be able to pick this up right now, to be honest with you. Well, you did you put it on speaker? The Steelers fucking suck, and so do the Colts. Man, this is a family-friendly podcast. What are you doing? 
Fuck them kids, bro. <laughs> and that is All Chris's right. first and last appearance on our podcast. All right. I love you, boys. Have a good pod. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. Oh, my God. <laughs> that backfired so hard. Man. <laughs> Leave it to the father of two or three. All right, all right, all right. Plot to us. We're only four and a half minutes in. Let's just scrap this pod, start over. No. You'll listen to it and be like, whoa, where's my... Absolutely not. (laughs) That would be funny, though. That Um, would be funny. That would... (laughs) Anyway, that's Chris. Chris, you're going to hear yourself. Also, I did not put it on speaker at first because I am a dummy, but... Yeah, I was like, I can barely hear this Turn it on speaker just loud enough... Just in time. Just loud enough to hear the, the F word. Um, <laughs> he's going to listen to this. And he's going to, there's going to be that awkward couple seconds of silence because it probably didn't pick it up at first. And then it's yeah. just going to come out yeah. in nowhere yeah. with F them kids, bro. Also, I would just like to say, uh, it's hard to say the Colts suck when the Colts aren't the ones who just got absolutely blown out by a team with a losing record this weekend. So just throwing that out there. The, Colts. the Cowboys oh. got blown out. Oh yeah, they did by a team with a losing. It wasn't record. even close. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, oh, was... duh, duh, we suck. We're about to get into how awful the NFC East is. I think about is a strong word. Maybe in like 40 minutes. Yeah, you're right. We're ending on that one. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the point is, the Cowboys suck, Chris. Actually, in about 45 minutes, 40 minutes, I'm gonna defend the Cowboys. So. Maybe not. Um, what was the point of that? Huh? What was the point of that? Point of what? Saying the Cowboys suck if you're going to immediately defend them. I just had to talk trash on his team. He you talked had... trash on mine. Okay. You Okay. The Stars suck. The Stars do. Do they? Not great. Better than the Preds. Are they? Yeah. Is Dallas out of us? I don't know if they're above us in the standings right now. But so then, like, by definition, they're not better than the Preds. The Stars have made it to more play like Stanley Cup Finals this decade than the than the Preds have in their entire history. Okay, so so this season the Patriots are better than the uh, Cardinals. What? I mean, yeah, I'd say no, no. Because the Cardinals are a better team than the Patriots right now. Okay, what what are you getting at? What you've done historically as a franchise does not, I'm not talking have about, bearing on a current season. I'm not talking about historically as in ancient history. I'm talking about the last three years. Uh, they are better than us right now. Yeah. Right yeah. now. They're a good team. Uh, but we have the same amount of wins, so they're not that good. Yeah, well. So are you saying that the Preds are not that good? No. The Preds are great. So then, I meant I, I didn't so mean they're the not that good. stars are great. I didn't mean they're not that good. I meant they're not that much better than us. They've just lost more games in overtime than we have. Hmm. Like they had to play fifteen extra minutes, a couple of games. Yeah. So. Okay. We had the same amount of wins though. Same amount of wins. That's and we have all a better goalie. This isn't this isn't a hockey podcast. We have David. Philip Forsberg. 
Okay, they have Jason Robertson. I don't care. He's a lot better than Philip Forsberg. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Why are you such a bad Preds I'm fan? I'm not a bad Preds fan. I just fan. want to know why you hate the Preds. I don't hate the Preds. I just want you to... Again, you know, I said it last hockey pod, and you're right. This isn't a hockey pod, so we're going to move on. I have not heard you say a positive thing about the Nashville Predators since the Stanley Cup run. It's not... I'm not being negative. I'm just being... I'm calling it as it is. I love Philip Forsberg. He's fantastic. Jason Robertson's that guy, though. So is Philip Forsberg. On a smaller scale, yes. You're a hater. I'm just saying, dude, like, come find me. This isn't a hockey pod. Okay. All right? Okay. Loser. You need to calm down. You're doing too much. What's Jason Robertson's career high in points? Like 110. Well, Philip got hurt that one year. He had like 90. (laughs) All right? Or he would have had 110. (laughs) Just like, like the the he just does a lot more, man. You know what? You're you're a hater. I'm not a hater, dude. Anyway, we're gonna get into our podcast. Okay, you done with your distractions? Your my distractions. I'm just saying you're the one who answered a phone call and brought in that heathen into our podcast. You're, you're the, the one who, who opened a bottle of pop, and you're the one who brought up hockey. <clears throat> you're the one who said pop. You only say pop when you intentionally try to get a rise out of me, and don't lie. You say soda, you say Dr. Pepper, you say Coke. 90% of the time, you only say pop when you intentionally want to get a rise out of me. I think you just notice it more because you get a rise out of it. No. You, Thomas, you drink 75 sodas a day. I don't, okay. That's, you oh, whoa, say whoa, 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 whoa. the word soda time out, time out, time so out. often. Time out, time out. That's obviously being hyperbolic. That is I extremely think, hyperbolic. I think that I, I just want to make sure that that is clarified. Understands how hyperbolic. Well, you do drink a lot of soda. Oh uh, yeah. You drink a substantial amount of soda. Okay. I so like soda. we talk about it a lot. Yeah. And you only say pop when we're around other people or on the podcast because you intentionally try to rile me up Damn. because you know it's going to work because it's an absurd thing. It is a sound. That the soda makes, if I, it is not the soda. If I intentionally tried to get a rise out of you, I would tell you what I really think about mac and cheese. Thomas, you're just an ignorant slut when it comes to mac and cheese. All right? <laughs> what do you mean? So, I'm sorry. Gonna, I'm and sorry. I know you it's, like mac and cheese. I like it all right, but it's yeah. bland. It's not bland. I mean, like it's like I I get the same enjoyment from eating a a craft singles, you know. That's just not accurate, I and mean, you 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 know that. Do I? Yes. When was the last time you just ate a craft singles? <laughs> not as long ago as it should have been. <laughs> as it should be. And and what was the enjoyment level there? Uh, well, it was like two a.m. and I was super hungry, so it hit pretty hard. It was didn't pretty it? high. Yeah. 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 But never once has a craft single mm-hmm. done it for me like mac and cheese does every single time. So, so do you? Would you consider your ideal breakfast to be like mac plain and toast? Huh? Would you consider your like ideal breakfast to be like plain toast and oatmeal? No, I hate oatmeal. My ideal breakfast yeah. would probably, probably, probably be an everything bagel. Toasted with cream cheese, with a sausage patty, two strips of bacon, a thick old slice of cheddar cheese, 
and boom. And then uh, a nice hot cup of apple cider. This was a I, I wasn't I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. Interesting. That sounds like a nice ideal breakfast. It is. It's what I used to get at this bagel shop when I used to when I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. I used to go to this bagel shop before classes. <sighs> it's good stuff. Uh, That's mine my ideal breakfast. Is a spicy chicken biscuit. I don't remember asking. I don't remember waiting for you to ask, so you can take that attitude and shove it, okay? It's my turn to talk about food. You just had your turn. It is now my turn, okay? Are you done? This isn't a breakfast podcast. I don't care, okay? We're on breakfast. I could probably do a food podcast, though. Oh, easy. But, like, a food podcast for your everyday food goers? I'm not one of those people that's like... Oh, you can really taste the uh, the bourbon whiskey barrel that it was smoked in, and this has a perfectly medium feel and the tenderness it melts in your. I mean, like McDonald's, you know. Like, let me tell you why a fillet o fish is incredible. What to do with a fillet o fish to make it even better? Let me tell you the secret to getting a Big Mac without having to pay for a Big Mac. You know what I mean? I'm. I mean, like. So you want to just be Jordan people. the Stallion? Food for real people. No, because I don't know all the all the menu secrets and stuff like that, okay. like he does. Okay, I'm not gonna tell you recipes to get Chick Fil A's Polynesian sauce or whatever. Okay, I can't do all that. So, David. Yeah. Uh, oh, t- wait, wait. Finish your ideal breakfast. Oh, it's a spicy chicken biscuit or like Nashville hot chicken and waffles. That's so boring. What do you mean that's boring? You're the one who has a bagel. A chicken. A bagel with cream cheese, sausage, bacon, cheddar cheese, and apple cider. But you're the, like, oh, give me a dry biscuit and some chicken. No, 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 no. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me let me clarify something really fast. All okay. biscuits are dry. Don't try to say there's no such thing as like blah blah blah. All biscuits are dry. Hold on. Biscuits. I just want to make that known. Biscuits are overrated. You're. I almost f bombed. No, it's already happened. Biscuits. We already got a slap an e on incredible. it. Okay. I agree the, with jelly, there is a with specific, butter, with gravy. There is a specific spicy chicken biscuit. And it is, it's Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Because there's a different kind of breading on it. Their biscuits are like... I Like, their biscuits are the most moist biscuits I've ever had in my life. No, they're not. I'm, I'm I not, mean, they, they might be, but they're not moist. They might be but the... But they're like... They're le- barely... They're the least dry biscuits yeah. you've ever had. But like... And that chicken is so juicy. Like, oh. Biscuits are like mashed potatoes. They're boring by themselves. What is your deal? That's not a deal. That's a fact. I, I guess I shouldn't say fact. But the point is, they're boring by themselves. Okay. Mashed potatoes. You add gravy, delicious. You add some bacon, some sour cream, some butter, delicious. You add some chives, delicious. I love good mashed potatoes. Like a good loaded mashed Like I love mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. But when you add things to them, okay, biscuits are the same way. I will delete some biscuits and gravy. Okay. I will demolish a biscuit and jelly, right? When you add a good sausage biscuit with some with some grape jelly on top, fantastic. Mm-hmm. When you add something to the biscuit, I love biscuits. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying just on its own, all biscuits are dry. Well, no one's boring. just eating a biscuit. Yeah, that's what. But that's what I'm saying. Biscuits yeah. by themselves are dry and boring. Well, yeah, but Mashed you don't... potatoes by themselves are boring. 
You add stuff to them, they're some of my favorite foods. Yeah, I love a good loaded mashed potato never, with some chunks in it, maybe some skin in there too. Love it. You never judge biscuits by themselves, though, because there there's different contexts in which biscuits are good. I agree. So, like, you can't just, like, look at a biscuit and be like, oh, that's terrible, because you're never going to eat a biscuit I never just called by a biscuit itself. terrible. You said they were overrated? I said they're overrated. So you like biscuits? Yes. Then why is my ideal breakfast boring? Because it's nothing but a biscuit and chicken. Okay, it's the best biscuit and chicken. You can have so many things. Okay. Your ideal... I love a good hamburger. But my ideal meal, the best meal in the world, is not a hamburger. Honestly, if I could just like... And it appear, it'd be my breakfast ramen. But that takes so long to make... See, now that's not a boring pick. That's a good pick. It is a good pick. You make banging breakfast ramen. Thanks, man. Well, it should be banging. It takes like two hours to make. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, we are now officially 17 minutes. This is all Chris's fault. He called, threw the whole thing off. But how do you make a filet of fish better, though? You can't, you, can, no, you, can't, you can't drop that nugget and then leave it. All right. First of all, filet of fish is delicious. Okay. All right. Get a like second a piece lunch, of cheese. Yeah. Add a second piece of cheese. Okay. Put the tartar sauce on the top. Ew. Put french fries on the tartar sauce. Okay. Put it on top of the filet of fish. Okay. Turn the filet of fish over. Okay. A little bit of ketchup. Not a lot. Okay. Not a lot. You don't even need a whole packet of ketchup. I'm picking Tiny up bit of ketchup right at the bottom. I gotcha. Kind of rub that into the bottom. Uh-huh. Smack it on there. Uh-huh. You got a filet of fish, two yeah. pieces of cheese, tartar sauce on top, a, a, a good amount of tartar sauce. Tartar sauce on top, french fries on top, tiniest bit of ketchup just to add a little bit of twang to it. Any degree of ketchup is too much ketchup. I mean, I disagree. I love ketchup. I can understand why people wouldn't, though. Every time my dad would make me food when I was a kid, I'd get so excited. And then I'd take a bite and I'd be like, ah, ketchup. Great. How many things did your dad put ketchup in? Everything. Okay. My dad likes ketchup. Man. Do you like meatloaf? Yeah. It's got ketchup in it. Uh, I like it with barbecue sauce. No, 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 no. Most people put ketchup in their meatloaf. Yeah. When they cook it. Yeah. You, you put barbecue sauce instead? Yeah. Sounds interesting. When it's ketchup, like, I, like I, I'd like i eat it as a kid, you know, to be, like, nice. But, like, huh. I was not happy. Interesting. Yeah. I do like barbecue sauce on top of uh, meatloaf. That's how Jackson makes his meatloaf. That's the best way to make meatloaf. It's pretty good. Anyway, we need to move on. Headline number one. What are you looking at? Oh, I just thought I heard someone like pull in or something. But in hindsight, there's no way I could hear that from here. So, <laughs> headline number one. On. D'Amico strikes oil. Texans win. Texans get a big win over the Tennessee Titans. The reason this is our headline. Yeah. Uh, the Titans in Houston were the old throwback Houston Oilers jerseys, uh, which a lot of people were very displeased with, namely J.J. Watt. Um, I mean, it's disrespectful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but also. It's hard, though. Oh, it's hard. Kind of funny. Like, you weren't good enough for us, so we had to leave. And we became bigger and better. Now you're here. We're going to come show you we're still bigger and better. 
It's 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 awesome. Now they didn't deliver. Are the Titans bigger and better? No, but that's the statement they're making when they wear the jerseys in Houston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, if you did not see it in overtime, the Case Keenum led Houston Texans defeated the Will Levis led Tennessee Titans. It was a big win for the Texans for a lot of reasons. One, uh, it was without CJ Stroud. Yeah. Two, it keeps them firmly in the playoff race for the AFC South. And three, it eliminated the Tennessee Titans from playoff contention, which is just awesome. The most uh, wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, the biggest takeaway from this, for me, is I believe this game adds legitimacy to D'Amico Ryan's campaign as coach of the year. Yeah, absolutely. However, I also think it devalues a little bit C.J. Stroud's case for the MVP. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Um, I, and that's not to say that C.J. Stroud hasn't played extremely well this no, year. No, no. What, I, what I mean by that, let me, let me explain before you respond. What I mean by that is the, the Texans have gone exceedingly abundantly beyond our wildest dreams, yeah. right? I, I didn't expect them to win eight games all year, let alone contend for the division and be eight and six after week 15, Yeah, right? Or week 16, whatever it was. So, yeah, week 15. I, I thought they'd win five games. So this is, like, very surprising how well they're doing. And I think a lot of people were crediting C.J. Stroud and how amazing he has been this year, mm-hmm. right? So the reason I think it kind of discredits CJ's case for MVP but strengthens D'Amico's case for Coach of the Year is I think this game showed us that it's not – like CJ's definitely a part of it, 100% a part of it. If they didn't have CJ, like sure they won this game, but would they have eight by now? Probably not, right? So I don't want to completely discredit CJ. I'm not trying to like trash CJ here at all. Uh, I just think with this big win, especially with the Titans coming off a massive, massive win over Miami, uh, I think this shows that like, D'Amico has been the front runner of this team's success. Not as much CJ. CJ, massive part of it. Massive part of it. I don't want to like denigrate CJ's contribution at all. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's, while it was probably beforehand, at least for me, 70% on the play of CJ and 30% on the coaching of D'Amico. I think that has now shifted for me after this game to probably 60% D'Amico, 40% CJ. Yeah. Um, I think this was the game that made us take a second look at D'Amico, but it makes sense when you take that second look because CJ Stroud wasn't the only rookie performing on this team. Like yeah. you, you can't forget about Tank Dell. Out for the season. Uh, you can't forget about Jared Patterson, their center that they drafted, who has been just playing absolutely fantastic. And on the defensive side, you can't forget about Will Anderson Jr., their third overall pick. Also missed this game. And Henry Tuu Tuu. I don't know who that is. Uh, he was like their third round pick. He was a linebacker for Alabama. But the point is, is like there's having a good draft, you know? Yeah. And there's getting uh, really strong contributions from rookies. 
but like we usually see like one or two you know we don't see five just come out the gate swinging and that leads me to believe that like a large part of it is coaching because you know like one or two is you got you had a good draft. You drafted some studs, you know. And it's, and it's not just rookies either. Think about Nico Collins. I mean, yeah. he's far and away having a career year. Oh so far. yeah, by a mile. Uh, and so like he is, he has stepped up and uh, big Derek, time. This Derek year. Stingley has been yeah. going, getting better. Uh, and I, I might be getting a couple drafts like mixed together. Talking very quietly, by the way. Oh, sorry. I might be getting a couple of drafts mixed together right now, but I'm pretty sure didn't Derek Stingley go one pick ahead of Sauce last year? I don't remember. Well, if he did, I like I remember Stingley Not being a top guru, a top yeah. three pick though, and it felt like he kind of wasn't what they were expecting out the gate. But he's been just a whole new beast this year. I do remember a lot of people talking about like Stingley and how he wasn't performing, but I also remember a lot of people saying, yeah, but it's the Texans. It's hard for him to perform. You know what I mean? So I I think people didn't completely write him off. Um, But I will say this as well. Um, I think this game has a lot of ramifications. Oh wait, sorry. Were you done? Um... You paused. And so I, I ran with it, but no, no, you pause I think, a lot in conversations. I think, so I think I'm, sure. I, I'm pretty sure I was done. Yeah, but the point is, I think D'Amico has done a great job. I think, for me personally, I think D'Amico has jumped significantly in my Coach of the Year rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's been up there since they were like six and five or, or, or six and four or whatever they were. Like, he's been up there for a while for me. Yeah. Um, but I think he's become a one or two for me now. Like my coach of the year for the longest time was John Harbaugh. Yeah. And honestly, I think I said this a couple pods ago. I really think there are nine or 10 guys who could make a legitimate case for coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there have been some incredible jobs done this year by a lot of people. I mean, Sean Payton went from. The laughing stock of the league after he called what Nathaniel Hackett did last year the worst coaching job in NFL history and to then lost by fifty to a legitimate threat. To a legitimate team. I think coach of the year candidate. Jim Harbaugh's there. MCDC should be there every single year. D'Amico obviously is there. Uh I think uh Kevin O'Connell is Kyle there. Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan's there. I think uh Kevin Stefanski is there. I think Mike McDaniel is there. I think there's a lot of guys. Who, if you were to sit down and tell me this guy's going to win Coach of the Year, I would be like, Sweet. I think, I think Shane they deserve Steichen it. should win Coach of the Year. Listen, man, I intentionally refrained from saying Shane Steichen because I didn't want to sound like a homer. Yeah. But Shane Steichen has done one of the best. Co- like, think about all Shane has dealt with this year. He came in, didn't even have a running back on roster. Or I mean, he had one on roster, but like was he was holding say, out I mean, contract Moss negotiations this year, though. very publicly. Was uh, disgruntled, disgruntled, requested a trade, like all that star player, best player on the team. Yeah, right. Uh, his star uh, quarterback gets injured in four out of his first five games before having season-ending surgery. Jonathan Taylor finally signs, comes back, is playing really well, and then gets injured yet again with the thumb. And on top of all that, 
horrible refereeing, quite literally losing us games. He has to do with Jim Ursay, who I love, but let's be honest, is one of the more complicated might owners. might be a crazy person. One of the more complicated owners in the National Football League. Um, so, like, just with everything that has been dealt with, also coming in with a defensive coordinator already in, a guy he didn't bring in. Um, so, he's, like, with everything he's had to deal with, the fact that we are tied for first place in the division and have a legitimate shot at winning it with a backup quarterback for the majority of the season, with Jonathan Taylor missing half the season, with holding out at the beginning slash injury, quote-unquote, but like it was basically holding out, and then another injury halfway or uh, towards the end of the season, being able to get production out of guys like um, Alec Pierce, who was disappointing last year. Michael Pittman looks like a wide receiver one this year. Uh, Josh Downs has been a fantastic rookie for us. Like, with everything Shane's had to deal with and the results he's putting on the field, Shane Steichen is my current three in the rankings. Again, I only didn't mention him because I didn't want to sound like a homer. But Jim Harbaugh was number one for me for a while. I think D'Amico's jumped him in my rankings. Really? I think my favorite right now. Who I think, not necessarily my favorite to actually win it, but who I think should win it right now is D'Amico Ryans. I don't, I don't necessarily hate that pick. I don't know that. I think, I think the Ravens have been so good that for me it's got to be Harbaugh, and it's a, it's a shame that Keaton Mitchell got hurt. Partly because I can't rub everyone's noses in the fact that I was right, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, to each their own. Uh, no, uh, I did get confirmation. Stingley was the pick before Sauce Gardner. Uh, I think we're going to see a true measure of D'Amico Ryans as a coach, uh, possibly this offseason, because it looks like Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, has been drawing a lot of eyes. And uh, it's a a first-year coach and a uh, first-year offensive coordinator. How is a and this I believe is D'Amico Ryan's first head coaching gig. How is yep. he going to react being a defensive minded coach to having to fill an offensive need at mm-hmm. coaching? He brought in this guy, so he'll probably bring in another offensive coordinator, just right? Like but he did we, with this guy, right? So. But we've seen we've seen defensive minded coaches struggle to replace offensive guys with quality replacements. Yeah, you know, I mean, look at look at Pittsburgh for example. Matt Canada replaced Todd Haley, you know, like it's, it's not always easy. Yeah. From what I understand about that situation though, um, wasn't Canada, a um, quarterback owner hire. Um, I might've been, but he was like, if he was hired, he was hired into his original role on the team, which was a quarterback's coach. Yeah, but, like, from my understanding, the reason Canada lasted so long is because he had a good relationship with the owners of the team, and they liked him a lot. That's the rumor mill that I've heard. That could be wrong. And that there's I, no, no one's come out and said that, like, from the organization or anything. I think everyone is just trying to really figure out why he lasted for so long. Yeah, that's you know? a fact. I think yeah. that's more what it is, is that they're speculating on, we knew, like, this This very clearly wasn't working after we saw it be the same offense for Pickett as it was Roethlisberger. Yeah. You should have got. You should have cut bait then. Yeah, but I think this. Uh, I think this game has a lot of ramifications. Absolutely for 
going forward. Uh, and I think the biggest one is the AFC South race. This is a game, uh, the, you had the Jags, the Colts, and the Texans all very in close proximity with one another. This is a game the Texans really couldn't afford to lose. Uh, the backup quarterback came in and did it. They're out. He's out again. C.J. Stroud is out again this week. Uh, so if he's able to win one and then lose one, or heck, if he's able to win two, I think that's massive, massive moves for the Houston Texans as far as the AFC South race goes. Uh, because towards the end of the year, quarterback going down with a concussion, especially when you're fighting for the division, in a division as close as this one is, I think that's pretty important. Uh, but I don't. I also think this says a lot about the Tennessee Titans. I think Titan, the Titans defensively uh, have struggled. They've been super inconsistent, and I think this game is one to prove it. This is a team that literally a week ago came back from down 14, maybe even 15, mm-hmm. uh, to come, come back with less than three minutes to go and win the game against one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, and then the very next week, they lost to the Houston Texans without uh, their top two wide receivers, their best defensive player, an offensive lineman, and their quarterback. Yeah. And so I think this is just another shot with the hammer at the broken window uh, that is the Tennessee Titans. This, this is break glass in case of emergency territory for the Titans. I don't know what it means. But I think this definitely has some ramifications. Again, it did knock him out of playoff contention, which is one one point. Uh, but more than anything, I think this is massive for the Texans in the race for the AFC South, which is heating up to be an interesting race. So let me ask you this. Although the Jags look like they're falling off. You mentioned how this win kind of in the what we – I don't want to necessarily say learned, but the conclusions that we are starting to draw – based on this win, would impact your decision for Coach of the Year. Wait, what? Repeat. Say that better. I didn't really understand. Okay. Uh, Thanks to this win, how you view Coach of the Year, like your favorite for Coach of the Year is different. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot more credit going to D'Amico Ryans. For me, yeah. Does that impact rookie of the offensive rookie of the year then? Not as well? even a little bit. Okay. Well, There's not a rookie that's come close to see. There have been a couple of great offensive rookies. I think it's got to be like if if you're going to consider someone else, it's got to be Rasheed Rice. Maybe, but even what he's done is not cl- like Rasheed Rice has been the best rookie wide receiver. Right? Absolutely. C.J. Stroud has been a top three quarterback. Period. Not rookie quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. And so that's what I think the difference is. We're not talking about CJ as one of the best rookies. We're talking about CJ as one of the best. Yeah. Whereas when talking about Rasheed Rice, we're not talking about one of the best. We're talking about one of the best rookies. Okay. And so I think if CJ did not exist, there would be a few different people you could have a conversation about. And I think Rasheed Rice would be at the top. Mm-hmm. But CJ, I just think, is so light years above what and I, beyond. So let me let me re-clarify that. Does... Does enough credit shift off of CJ? No. Okay. No, I'm not even a little bit questioning CJ's talent and ability. Okay. The only thing I'm, I've kind of shifted on is how much I attribute Houston's success to CJ and how much I attribute it to, to D'Amico. Okay, I got you. Again, I still give probably 40% to CJ. 
I still think without CJ, this team is a five, six win team, not an eight win team at this point in the season. I just am now giving more credit to D'Amico after this win. I'm not questioning CJ's ability and talent at all. The kid is phenomenal. Again, he's been a top five quarterback in the league, not amongst rookies, in the league this season. And I think that's pretty special. Okay. And and that's not all D'Amico. D'Amico can coach him all he wants. If the kid can't play, the kid can't play. That's true. Okay. I was just curious. Just wanted to rack your brain a little bit. Yeah. The Texans, or the uh, the Jags, by the way, kind of folding a little bit in the last few weeks. Lost a couple of bad games. Yeah. Had a couple of embarrassing losses. Uh and have found themselves going from a three-game lead in the division to tied for the division lead. Whenever... And they're out of division games except for the Titans. So really, the the fate of the AFC South is in each of the individual hands of the Texans, Colts, and Jags. Whenever I see the Jags, I see a bad team with a Gucci belt. <laughs> like, yeah, they got Trevor Lawrence... Travis Etienne has been fantastic. But even Trevor Lawrence is having some fumble issues this year, man. Yeah, yeah, he has been. But, like, you look at, like, Trayvon Walker has been fine. Definitely not a number one overall pick caliber guy. But, like, like that's, like, their team is the definition of mediocrity outside of one or two or three positions. Yeah. Like, and so it, it, like, kind of props them up. A little bit. Like, to me, they're like a paper house, you know? I'm not mad about it. Oh, I'm sure you're not mad about it I'm at all. I'm not mad about it at all. Yeah, but I think I think that they could very easily become a good team. I think they just need to make a couple better moves and decisions. Based on where we're at right now. Yeah. <clears throat> in the NFL season. Okay. I think it's safe to say that the AFC North is the best division of football. Okay. What would you say if I told you in three years... The AFC South is going to be a top two, top three division of football. Going into this season, I would have said you were you were a crazy person. Me too. I wouldn't um, have said it going into the season. And I I I would buy into that partly because Will Levis has looked so like we expected Anthony Richardson to look good. We were semi expectant on CJ Stroud to look good based on his position. I think Will Levis appearing to be a a guy gives all four teams a clear path forward. See, that's my thing. Even if even if you discount the Titans, yeah. Even if you say the Titans are going to win three games over the next three seasons, I still think having three division contenders immediately makes us the second best division in football outside of the Steelers or uh, the the North. I view the AFC South's quarterback situation like going forward. The way I viewed the AFC Norths at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Fair but enough. now we know about Deshaun Watson. Now there's questions about Pickett. Is Burrow going to be a new Andrew Luck? <clears throat> yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. it's it's different. I just think like with the Texans, obviously, doing what they're doing with the roster they have, incredible. Shane Steichen doing what he's doing with the Colts, with the backup quarterback, incredible. The Jags, like you said, have the foundation. They just need to fill in some pieces to be a real contender in the AFC. Yeah. And then, I mean, Will Levis might be a guy. 
Still, the jury's still out. Again, yeah. they have games like Everything they did against the Dolphins, seen. and then they have games like they did against the Titans or yeah, the Texans. Yeah, so. but what we have seen has been like eighty percent good. Uh, I'd go more sixty forty. He's had a couple of bad games, but that yeah. sixty has looked real good. Yeah, but these, he's also had like games that looked bad on the on the stat sheet that weren't necessarily bad. You know what I mean? Like I, I think his game against Pittsburgh, his stat sheet numbers were not good, but it was it was a solid game. He just they they had to rely on him a little too much. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I just think the South is primed to be good. Uh, I think this win says a lot about the Texans. Says a lot about D'Amico. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it. All right. Any final thoughts before we move on? I'm done with the Texans. Thank God. We're th- that took way longer than I thought. Um, next McDaniel mania, Miami gets massive win without Tyreek Hill. If you did not notice last week, Tyreek Hill went out with injury. The Miami dolphins end up blowing a lead, losing to the Titans this week. People <clears throat> all week Tua can't play without Tyreek Tua can't play without Tyreek Tua can, is only good when Tyreek is in Tyreek misses the game. The dolphins drop 30 on the Jets. They're the only team in the NFL with a top five offense and a top five defense, by the way. Fun fact. Uh, Tyreek looks fantastic. Had like a 90% safe or uh, safe percentage. <laughs> like a 90% completion percentage. And on top of that, threw like 250 yards, whatever it was. Let me look it up. <clears throat> Tua looked great, nonetheless. Yeah. And it's reasonable to expect a quarterback to take a step back without his primary weapon. But I think Tua has kind of morphed into this very safe option at quarterback that can make do with the weapons he has. 21 of 24, 224 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that's not I'd bad. I'd say that's pretty good. I, I would agree with you. I'd say that's pretty good without Tyreek Hill. I think a lot of people just automatically kind of discount Jalen Waddle a little bit because he plays opposite Tyreek Hill, you know? It's kind of that, like, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen situation where it's like we didn't really get a good idea for how good they each were until yeah. they played not on the same team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think Jalen Waddle is still a fantastic wide receiver. So like it sucks to lose Tyreek Hill, but you basically have a taller Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Well, let's not get too crazy. I mean, he's he's got he doesn't have the cut he doesn't have the cuts, but he's taller than Hill. Uh he's he's not as fast as Hill, but no one is. He's probably one of the closest things to that speed, though. I mean Jalen Waddle's a dude. And two no, I agree. also I agree. a dude. Yeah, I agree completely. You want to hear a fun fact about Raheem Mostert? Hit me with it. In Raheem Mostert's career prior to this season, he had 20 total touchdowns. This season in Miami, Raheem Mostert has 20 total touchdowns. It's important to note that the reason he only had 20 career touchdowns... Very hurt, very a lot. ...is because this is the only season that he's played more than three weeks in. You know, like I've had Raheem Mostert in a number of fantasy leagues yeah. on a number of teams. Yeah. And it, he always rewarded me early, so early. And then he he would get a crack and his leg made of glass and he'd be done for the year. Like yeah. he's a good, he's a good running back, but this team is built on speed, dude. Yeah, no, I agree. 
But I'm a huge fan of this Miami team, dude. I, I love I love the way they bounce back. I love Mike McDaniel. Yeah. He he's not my favorite twin coach of the year. He's up there. He's probably number four for me behind Steichen Harbaugh. If there was a Lions. coach I had to hang out with, yeah. it's Mike McDaniel. Yeah. So he's not my favorite twin coach of the year, but he might be my favorite coach in the league. Yeah. <laughs> like there was a clip I told you about it earlier, where uh he says on the sideline before a drive, he goes, Man, I'm feeling a one-play drive here. I'm feeling a Jalen Waddle one-play drive. And he does this weird, let's go. He's like running up and down the sideline. And sure enough, man, first play of the drive, they call it, snaps it. Jalen Waddle uh, runs past the defender. Tua puts it, drops it in an absolute bucket. Jalen Waddle shakes the defender, runs for a touchdown. And you just hear Mike McDaniel go, or something like that. Um Look it up if you haven't seen it. It's incredible. But the way Mike, the the culture he's built, the way he coaches, the fact that he is so unabashedly himself. Yeah. I feel like with a lot of coaches like Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin, there's almost this uh, idea that coaches need to be composed and collected and and great with their words and, and stingy with the media and right. intentional in everything they do and say. And there's this almost like professionalism with coaching that is expected and required. Uh, and I think we've seen a lot of coaches kind of break that mold. I think the first one to do it in my most recent memory was Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. When Sean McVay started, he was seven years old and he would say stuff to the media and people were like, a coach just said this. Uh, and now we've seen guys like Kyle Shanahan be brutally honest with the media. We've seen guys like Mike McDaniel coming out of that Shanahan tree. All three of those guys, which worked together in Washington, by the way, years ago. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's really cool to me to see coaches now really coming into their own and being their own person, not with this pressure of having to be so stoic all the time. And I think Mike McDaniel is the shining pillar of that and I, I I just love the way he's coaching in Miami. I love what they got going on. I love that culture. I'm a massive fan of these Miami Dolphins. Dude, me too. And it it looks like they're having fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It Which looks, is so cool. Yeah. Like and uh I just I think it's I think one of the cool things about it is like you have players like Tyreek Hill who are coming out and saying like, oh, it's like we're playing Madden out there with the play calling. Yeah. And maybe I just want to live vicariously through them. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what it all boils down to. But I just I can't remember the last time I heard someone say it's like we're playing Madden out there. Yeah. And then back it up. Yeah. Like Also, did you have did you see Tua's press conference when no. they questioned him about the comments made about him and Tyreek being out? I did not. So basically a reporter said, Hey, some people are trashing you in the media saying you can't play ball without Tyreek is that like have you heard it how does it make you feel and Tua basically said I'm obviously summarizing here uh yeah you're right I suck without Tyreek I suck without Jalen Waddle if Jalen Waddle and Tyreek are out I suck without Raheem Mostert right like I'm a bad quarterback you guys are right you guys are right I don't care I have one job and it's to come out here and help my guys win games that's all I care about and I was like that's a that's Go an answer, dude. That's yeah. an answer. I, he 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 said, "You're right. I suck. I'm bad. I'm bad at football. I don't care. I'm only here to help my." And the way he said it too, "I'm here to help my guys win. 
I'm not here to win. Not here to play well. I'm here to help my guys win. I think that's part of the culture. I love that attitude from Tua. Tua was nothing but the best in college. People had nothing but positive, great, brilliant, wonderful things to say about Tua. But since that guy was drafted by Miami, there there's not been a lot of positive talk on Tua Tagovailoa. He has been dragged through the mud. And so the fact that he's able to let that just water on the back of a duck, man. Yeah. The fact that he's able to just brush it off and say, I'm focusing on my guys, my team, my friends, and that's all I'm I'm, I'm in for. Like, I love it, dude. I absolutely love it. Again, love what they got going on down there in Miami. It look, Dude, it looks spicy. That's for sure. I would not be surprised to see Miami make a run. Yeah. In the playoffs. Absolutely. I yeah. I agree. All right. We got two more headlines. We'll try to rush through this one okay. uh, to get to the last one. The last one's the best written headline slash subtext, so we got to get to that one. But anyway, before right before that, uh, wild, wild, wild card race. Wild. Kind of, you know, like wild, wild west? Yeah. Wild, wild, wild card race. Uh, with three weeks remaining, 26 teams remain in playoff contention. Has there have we when was the last time we went this deep into the season with such an unclear playoff situation? I don't know. But it's crazy. The parody is unreal. Crazy. Dude. There are three games left, and only six teams have been eliminated. There are so many seven and seven, eight and six, six and eight teams in the yeah. NFL right now. It's absolutely insane. Both you know, wild card races are absolutely crazy when you look at the NFC. When you look at the AFC. You know what that means? It's spectacular, man. You know what that means? There's going to be a couple of really good teams who get a really good draft pick. And that's going to be spicy. You know what else that means? There's going to be a couple of really good teams that miss the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, it wouldn't shock me if Buffalo missed the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it looks like for this season, in order to guarantee a spot, you'd have to be nearly perfect. Yeah. I think one of either the Texans or the Colts might miss the playoffs. Yeah. And they're both really good teams. I think it's going to come down to week 18. Like, the, yeah. the Jags might miss the playoffs. Like, there are a few teams. What a collapse, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But there are a few teams who have shown really great things this season and in the past couple of seasons who may very well miss the playoffs. And it's I love it, man. It's super exciting. I think this is going to put – week 18 always has meaning, right? Week 17 used to be, now week 18 has always had meaning. There's always been maybe one or two spots decided in week 18. But yeah. we're primed to have a week 18 with 16 games where 10 of them have meaning. Eight of them have meaning. And I love that, man. It's and that's super good. exciting. That's good if you're going to be in your fantasy football championship. Because yeah. teams can't rest players this year. Yeah. It's very exciting, man. Unless you have Philly players, in which case, yikes. I, they can be arrested. Well, yeah, they can be arrested. No, rested. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like, Or no, they can't be rested. Oh, oh. They have the same record as the Cowboys. You're right. They're fighting for home field. You're right. right. Okay, if you're a 49er. And technically... They're not out of the woods for the number one seed. Yeah, that's true. The 49ers okay. could lose a game. But yeah, they could lose. They won't, but they could. Yeah. 
So uh, they're all playing Miami this week. I need to do some quick math in my head and see if I have any 49er players on my team. I think I'm good. I have though. Christian McCaffrey in two of my leagues. Yikes! But um, nonetheless, I think the the whole point of that is to just say there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot of very exciting things happening in the world of football, and I think we need to really be paying attention uh, because the last three weeks I think are going to be fantastic. I would concur with that assessment. All right, and our final headline. What is happening? The collapse of the NFC East, the return of the Bills, and the ghost of Gabe Davis. Come on. Hire me, New York Post. No, they're pretty conservative. Hire me, Washington Post. Thank you. I thought that was pretty good. Anyway, um... We were talking about this earlier, what we were going to talk about. Talked about specifically the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Eagles, what's happening there. The Bills, Gabe Davis, the supposed heir to Stephon Diggs eventually. And Thomas just goes, what is happening? And I said, boom, that's it. That's the title. Like, it's a wild, wild time to be a fan of the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Buffalo Bills, to be honest. It sounds like a. Uh, it sounds like it, it's probably doing a number on your emotions. If yeah. I had to take a, take a stab at it. Yeah, I will say I think there is legitimate concern in some places, and I think some of the concern is false concern. Don't need to be worried. About. I would agree with you. To start first, to start, we'll start off with the false concern, and that is Dallas. Yeah. Uh, I saw someone put it like this on TikTok. Um, I mean, it was a clip from a TV, like a sports show. I think it was First Things First. Uh, ooh, no, it might have been Get Up. I don't know. It was a sports show. I just happened to see it on TikTok. But someone said, um, the Dallas Cowboys have played near-perfect football for two months. This was bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, so that doesn't mean they're bad. You don't think the Cowboys are cowboying? No. That doesn't mean the Cowboys are dead. doesn't mean the Cowboys are cowboying. It means they had to travel halfway across the country. They had to play in cold weather. They had to play in rain. And they had to play in one of the toughest places to play in all of sports, not just football. Yeah. And they laid a net. Yeah. That happens. They got bopped. Look at, uh, I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles are in the middle of a three-game losing streak. That they are. The... San Francisco 49ers earlier this year had a three-game losing streak. The Miami Dolphins last week blew a 15-point lead with less than three minutes to go in the game. That they did. This happens. So I'm not worried about the Cowboys personally because it hasn't happened consistently. Every once in a while, you lay an egg, it happens, whatever. I'm not worried about the Cowboys personally because this isn't a consistent happening this season. I think this was just... All everything lined up for them to not have a good game. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I would I would say that I would look to Cowboys fans to see if I should be panicking, but that's not a good indicator because they live in a perpetual state of panic. Uh, I can see. I don't. I haven't talked to Chris at all about that game. You know, he's a big Cowboys fan. But here's what I envision happening. He turns off that game, and he's like, yep, there it is. Everything was going too good. He did send in the group message, well, the Cowboys suck again. Yep, yep. That, like, <laughs> I can I can see that. 
well, this is my life again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, but I I'm not worried about the Cowboys. I am worried about the Eagles, though. See, me too. Because here's the thing: the Eagles have one of the best offenses in the league. I wasn't until this game. Did you know that they rank at like best 28th in a lot of defensive categories? Yeah. Like this is a defense that is loaded with with name talent, but for some, it's just not coming together though. Yeah. I wasn't worried when they got blown out by the 49ers. Yeah, because it was the 49ers. It's the 49ers. They went through this gauntlet. They're like, the most dominant team in football. They were in the middle of a gauntlet. And then they lost to Cowboys. I wasn't worried about that. Yeah, makes it's sense. A divisional you know, game. Still one of the in best the gauntlet. offenses. They're, they're one of the best at-home teams this season. Yeah. Like, I wasn't worried about that. But then they allowed... A 92-yard drive from Drew Locke yeah. to lose to the Seattle Seahawks on primetime. Yeah. In Philly. Yeah. That's tough, dude. Now I'm a little concerned. Although, you know, that's great for Drew Locke. I lied. It was in Seattle. That's great for Drew Locke, though, because he looked like he found that confidence. He did, man. Dude, Although he looked like he was feeling back himself. back celebration was... That's a... I hate that celebration. It's so dumb and cringy. Mm, mm, mm. He looked like a frat idiot. Not a fan of that celebration. I mean, he looked. But like, he looks like a frat idiot, regardless. Oh, Not a fan of that celebration, but I am a fan of him having confidence. Back. Yeah. Uh, dude, I was a big Drew Lock believer. I, I was, was like, not. I was like, this is gonna be the guy, dude. But it wasn't. Uh, so. We need to have a conversation about Gabriel Davis. Hold on. We're not going to talk about the Eagles yet, are we? I mean, they have a bad defense. But it's more than that. Is it? There's more conversation than that. Is there? Is there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll take it away then. Uh, You. What are you doing? Cannot. Well, I was trying to. Are you texting? No, I'm looking something up. I was trying to, I was trying to look something up specifically because I remember, or I, I heard a conversation. Mm-hmm. He referenced statistics, and I was going to look up those statistics. So I was going to see if I could find the conversation real quick. And you were acting like you had a long way. To, you were like, "Man, that defense looks a lot different." But I mean, at the same time, good for Drew Locke. I used to be a big believer in Drew Locke. Anyway, Gabe Davis. You set it up like you were going to continue talking, and then you didn't. So I didn't have time to look it up. Okay, I'll keep talking. Anyway. I'll keep talking. No, I can't find it anyway. Oh. Um, But the point is, I think this season, Philly looked good at first. Yeah. But I think we overlooked. Like, we looked at their record and didn't look at how they were winning games. I think we we took them uh, for their word based off of last season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we looked at their record and thought, man, that's great, but didn't look at how they were winning games. They barely beat the Commanders a couple Twice. of times. Yeah. They they barely beat a couple of other teams. They uh, lost to some bad teams. They obviously got blown out twice in a row uh, by San Francisco and Detroit, or Detroit, Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, like, there were a few things that, like, breadcrumbs that we should have noticed yeah, that but, we just didn't because we were looking at their record. Yeah, and you're and you're willing to give them that leeway. Yeah. And so now that we're through it all, 
They just lost to the um, Seattle Seahawks and have gone from 8-0 to 9-1 to 10-1 to now 10-4. Yeah. I think we have to have a legitimate conversation about the losses of their offensive and defensive coordinators in the same season. Because like you said, in, in the, the stats I was hoping to look to, to find and I wasn't able to find, um, that this guy gave on this sports show mm-hmm. uh, were their comparisons from last year to this year. Offensively, they were in the top like six or seven in the league offensively. Mm-hmm. This year, in the majority of major categories, they are in the 20s. Last year, defensively, they were in the top 10. This year, they are in the bottom 10 Yeah, in the league, defensively. Both offensive and defensively, they have gone from being one of the best offenses in the league to a very mediocre slash bottom half of the league. They rely on the, on the talent year. on the roster. And they've gone from a top 10 defense last year to one of the worst in the league this year. Right. There are legitimate effects of losing both offensive coordinators or both coordinators, offensive and defensive, in the same offseason. And Philly is seeing it. And, again, when they lost to Philly or San Fran and when they lost to Dallas, I was willing to overlook it. But having it now happen three times in a row in the fashion it did to Seattle, I'm legitimately wondering if this Philly team is still a playoff contender. Not not playoff uh, contender. Obviously, they're going to make like the playoffs. Like a Super Bowl contender? A Super Bowl contender. I and I don't know that I believe they are. Anymore. I don't think they could keep up with San Francisco, and I'm not just saying that based on the game that they lost to San Francisco. Although, at this point, I don't know if they can keep up with Dallas. I it'd be I I would really like to see them play after a few weeks, because again, Dallas was the end of that stretch of just tough games, tough opponents. Yeah. You know. So we expected them to kind of get beaten down a little bit. So I think if you gave them three, four weeks and Matt and they met up in the playoffs, I think that would be a better look of it. But I think if you gave the same uh, parameters for a matchup against San Francisco, I feel a lot more confident in San Francisco winning. Uh, I think personally, I think we're gearing up for a Dolphins 49ers Super Bowl. I don't know about that. I think, I think Baltimore is a much more complete team. Yeah, but it's not always the most complete team. Yeah, but I think you have a bigger advantage when you're listen, a more complete listen, team. Listen, McDaniel's McDaniel called his shot. I'm calling mine. All right. Uh, I also think just because they've been a little lackadaisical. By the way. There's a video of someone, Zion Williamson, I think it was. Yeah. Trying to say lackadaisical in a press conference. And he goes, we've been playing real lackadaisical. <laughs> it was awful. I got to see if I can find it and show it to you. That's terrible. Oh, man. it was hilarious. That's but anyway, uh, I think even like since they've been playing kind of lackadaisical in the regular season, I think we're discounting the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Like, let's not forget about the... Super Bowl prowess that this team has. Let's not forget about the Super Bowl and playoff experience that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have, that Andy Reid has. Like, 
I I really feel like this is a team that gets almost better in the playoffs. We've seen this year after year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the only team in NFL history to come back from down 10 every single game of the playoffs. Yeah, no, they're right? fantastic. And win a Super Bowl. I'm so just, I'm not let's confident. not discount the Chiefs on the AFC side of the football. I'm not confident in their ability to not drop the ball when given an opportunity. See what I did there? See, I'm not confident. You see what I did there? I'm not confident in their ability to not step up in the playoffs. Did you see what I did there? Unfortunately. Okay. Okay. That was very funny. It was not. That was hilarious. Anyway, move on to your Gabe Davis talk. We're already over an hour. Okay, calm down. Jeez. Gabe Davis, uh, supposed to be the heir to Stefan Diggs' job, as David alluded to earlier. Uh, he had this. He came out in the playoffs with this huge four-touchdown performance, and we were like, this is the guy. He comes in the next season as the clear-cut number two, and it kind of – it's not – there's flashes, but it's not as consistent as we would like. Yeah. This season, he has two games with 100 yards and four games with zero yards. We might need to have a conversation that revolves around when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. And not to mention in back-to-back very important games very important against games. very important and opponents. Not, he didn't even catch a ball. Uh, yeah, and it's not even the lack of a reception. It's the lack of targets, too. Yeah. I think that's the more telling. And it is important to say that, that they were run-centric They games. were both run-centric games. Yeah. But even still. I mean, I bet if you look at Diggs, he's still got <laughs> 10 targets. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> like. Yeah. This is a this is a team that desperately needs someone to step up as a second wide receiver, especially with how disgruntled publicly Stefan Diggs has been lately. And if Gabe Davis isn't going to seize this opportunity with a true gunslinger quarterback in Josh Allen, someone else has got to. Yeah. And I don't know if you fix that in free agency or in the draft. They fixed it last time with the trade, but was it? I mean, that's a whole other question of was it worth it, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, you got Stefan Diggs, but you gave the Vikings Justin Jefferson. Like, that's a that's a, that's a a very big trade in talent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I believe Gabe Davis is up for a contract extension here soon. So you might get forced into making that decision. I know, uh, and I'm just looking at this from a Steelers perspective, but – Whenever the Steelers are about to let a wide receiver walk, they draft one the year before he walks, you know? They get that second, that reinforcement in there in the facility so that when they have to take on those reins, they're not a true rookie. Uh, And I think Gabe Davis might... I think Gabe Davis would have benefited by being a free agent last year. Because I don't know that it's so much of just him not being that guy... Or it just not being a, a good fit, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man, but I definitely think it's a sad day, and it's not the first time we've seen it, right? Yeah, absolutely. There are athletes who show such promise, but then when the lights come on, they just disappear. Yeah. Uh, it's happened many a time before, and it looks like it's happening again with Gabe Davis, which is sad because he, when he's on, he's on. Yeah. When he's on, he looks like a guy who could be a number one on 20 teams. But he's just, he hasn't been on in a while. But when he's not, he doesn't even get looked at. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of crazy to me. But and we're talking about a quarterback who has no qualms thrown in the coverage. Yeah. So it's, the, don't get me, it's a, it's, he's not open because yeah. Josh Allen doesn't care. Yeah. 
speaking of Steeler wide receivers, uh, you hear anything about that George Pickens situation? What do you mean? There was a so obviously you haven't or you'd know what I was talking about. There was a run, uh, a Jalen Warren run, mm-hmm. where George Pickens, if he had just touched the Colts defender, Jalen Warren walks into the end zone. Yeah, but he did not. Gets tackled at the one. You guys settle for a field goal. And a lot of people, it, you can see the video. He sees Warren running. Mm-hmm. He slowly turns around. Sees the guy in front of him, sticks his arm out, and the guy walks right past him, tackles Jalen Warren. And his response was, uh, I forget which player, what? Oh, Jamar Chase. He said, I didn't want a Jamar Chase situation. I was just trying not to get injured. I, I think we're looking at a team that is very frustrated, not necessarily with anything in particular. I think just with how the season has gone because if you're in Pittsburgh especially on the Steelers with a city that is very a uh, Steeler fans are very hardcore especially in Pittsburgh. Uh I think they're just ready for the season to end and to just start working toward a new canvas next season. I think it was a pretty soft answer. I think it was pretty terrible. Mine? Like Huh? No, not you. Oh. George Pickens. Yeah, no, no. It's definitely soft. It's def- I'm not going to read too much into it, though. Like, sometimes you got to block, dude. You do. Like, that's you part do. of the game. But <laughs> like, this is football, the NFL. football this is in not... Pittsburgh has not been fun all season. There are quarterbacks who block, dude. Like, you know? come on. Like, even the wins haven't been fun. Yeah. And I think, I think everyone's just ready to move on. Yeah. No, fair enough, man. I just wanted to get your, your take yeah. on that real quick. I'm not bothered by it. Now, if we get like four weeks into next season and it's looking like this, oh, dude, I am breaking glass in case of emergency. Like, I am freaking out. Uh, but right now, there's no reason to be concerned. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, things are going to change this off season at a bare minimum. Yeah. So there's no reason to get concerned. Yeah. Anyway, those are our headlines. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Is that that how we end the podcast now? I don't know. (laughs) Fair enough. Bye. Bye.